you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And today's episode of Locked on Mizzou is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On for 20% off your next order. And yes, I am safely back from my venture to Cancun, Mexico. Had a great time. Congrats to Chase and Chris once again on your nuptials. And now that I'm back in my comfy office in downtown Columbia here, well, it's time to talk about that Missouri and Georgia football game, of course. You know, I thought two of Missouri's most important players, actually even three if you include one who left the game, looked a little bit banged up and just weren't themselves. So I thought that was a massive factor in the game. Also, there was a statistic that was floating around on Twitter that to me just showed everything you needed to know about the difference between where Georgia is and, and Missouri, quite honestly. For as good of a season as the Tigers have, that gap was very, very obvious on Saturday. But you know what? I want to start off on a positive note, and of course, that's with your undefeated Missouri Tigers basketball team who took down sixth-ranked Illinois in Columbia 81-78 on Saturday night. And well, what can you say? What can you say, I should say? So far, this team has passed every test you could possibly imagine. And you know what? Regardless of how high you think this team's ceiling is at this point, I think it's really obvious that we're going to get the absolute best version of whatever these guys can be together. I really do, because we've seen it every game. We don't need to play a perfect game to be a really, really tough team. Certainly, this this bragging rights victory, the very strange bragging rights game with hardly anybody in it in Columbia, of course. Well, that was far from Missouri's A game. I don't even think we've seen Missouri's A game yet. And yet here they are sitting pretty with as good of an, a record as anybody in the SEC so far. Probably a better resume, quite honestly. Now, while I was correct in, in both my predictions... From this past week, I thought the Tigers would go down to Georgia. But you know what? I thought we'd beat the Illini in basketball. But I will say the reason for it, I didn't get all the reasons right, that's for sure. Because the big reason, I thought, well, the last couple bragging rights games, at least from my memory, it seems like Jeremiah Tillman has been allowed to play a little bit more physically than in your typical contest. But that certainly wasn't the case on Saturday night with Jeremiah Tillman fouling out in just 18 minutes of action. Didn't actually make a field goal in the game, so clearly not his best outing. And clearly Missouri continues to not be a very good three-point shooting team either. Just 5 of 21 on the night, just under 24%. Tigers shooting about 30% on the year from distance. Obviously, we'd like to see that pick up, but just the fact that, once again, the Tigers showing a continual willingness to push the ball, advance the ball up court with the pass, 20 fast break points for the Tigers tonight, that's beautiful. That really is. It just makes our lives so much easier when the Tigers actually push the pace. And even though 18 turnovers is obviously less than ideal, I think, I think the balance there is the pace is still worth it. 
It just gets everybody into the game. It gets us better shots. I don't know. To me, when you play with more pace, the offense and the defense tend to sync up, too. For whatever reason, I think there is a symbiotic relationship in basketball between when you play together on one end of the court, you tend to play together on both ends of the court, in my humble opinion. And I think the Tigers right now are doing just that. Interesting to see Parker Brown only get six minutes in this game, and quite honestly, that makes a lot of sense. This matchup, you got two traditional big guys, especially Kofi Coburn. I believe I was calling him Kobe Coburn in a previous episode. My mistake there, but yes, Kofi Coburn, one of the largest players, especially among starters in college basketball, then you've got the Bashadasvili kid, another big guy. Not exactly the best matchup for young Parker Brown defensively. So it made sense to see more of Kobe Brown, who played a really nice offensive game, I thought. Made two of his five three-pointers, which is a bonus. But most of all, what I liked and what Conzo Martin clearly liked as well was that Kobe was aggressive, taking the ball to the basket, especially when he got a big guy on him. He felt like he could take off the dribble. That's something I wanted to see more from Kobe at times last year. I think he's an underrated ball handler and passer. And when he's got the advantage, I just want to see him take it to the hole. And he did that a few times, and he did. he's done it more aggressively so far this season in other games as well. And I think that's a really encouraging sign for your Tigers. Also a shout-out to Mitchell Smith as well, who while you know Javon Pickett certainly gets a lot of the highlights – or the headlines, I should say, for his increased production against the Illinois Fighting Illini every year. Well, it seems like Mitchell Smith plays really well against the Illini for whatever reason either. He was just, you know, your real Swiss Army Knife type player defensively yesterday once again and also managed to hit six out of six from the foul line too. A real underrated part of Mitch's game. When he gets to the foul line, he cashes in. Really, this whole team is a rather good free throw shooting team considering, well, they tend to struggle from the three-point line for whatever reason. And finally, you know, Drew Smith... Is just such a solid player at this point. It almost feels like we take him a little bit for granted, but I, I think maybe the mo- the thing I was most impressed about didn't really show up in the box score, although he did get a steal on one of these plays. But down the stretch, Drew Smith just picking up on some really interesting observations defensively, some really advanced stuff about just how he thought, oh, I need to pick up the Dasunmu kid who had 36 points in the ball game, took obviously a questionable shot there at the end of the, the end of the game. But, you know, Drew just talking about how he, he felt, he went up to Conzo Martin and said, I think we need to adjust defensively. I think I want to pick him up a little bit closer to half court, avoid the switch, that kind of stuff. I just, you know, even though Drew's a senior, a fifth year senior at that, that is some really advanced, high level stuff that most kids who are 22 years old, however old Drew Smith happens to be, usually you're not picking up that level of subtlety. So I just want to say he is obviously a really intelligent player, just a really solid player in virtually every aspect of the game. And while he's not necessarily the most flashy guy in the world, man. I hope Mizzou fans realize that we're really lucky to have Drew on the team. And of course, even though I was down in Mexico, you know after that Mizzou victory, when we were sitting at the reception, there was only one way to celebrate that victory, and that's with a round 
of Coors Light for the table. And certainly, in Mexico, there's always a time to chill, so it's a great time to crack the beer that's literally made to chill, and that is, of course, Coors Light. By the way, at that wedding, I was having a conversation with somebody who was saying, oh man, those Illinois fans, they're so annoying. And I was like, are they? Are they that bad? I don't remember them being that bad. I guess I'm getting soft in my old age. But then he remembered me back after the 2007 season, after Mizzou wasn't picked for the Orange Bowl. Well, they they printed up t-shirts, some of their fans, and were saying, ha ha, BCS, yada, yada, yada. Well, you know what? To heck with Illinois fans. I'm no longer in chill mode, but dang it, I'll get a Coors Light to get back in it anyway. So when I need to unwind, just know that I do choose Coors Light. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And the Tiger basketball team with just two more home games on the schedule right now before SEC play begins. They'll play on the 18th at 7 o'clock against Prairie View A&M, and also on the 22nd at 6 p.m. against Bradley. And certainly, I'll have those recaps for you when they come. And of course, we got to talk some Tiger football. And unfortunately, while Missouri hung in there for a while, 14-all it was at one point, you know, it really never totally felt like the Tigers were in that game even when it was tied, did it? Now, of course, technically they were in. You were trying to convince yourself that maybe we could fake our way into it, but it was quite apparent from Georgia's first possession that they were going to probably dominate our defensive line. Now, we had been hearing for quite a while that Drake Heismeyer, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, has been getting some action, or at least reps in practice, on the uh, at defensive tackle while he had started the season at center. So obviously having to flip an offensive lineman to play on the defensive side because of depth issues is not ideal against anybody. But you know what? Missouri was able to get away with it against lesser competition. But against Georgia, boy, they're, they're just depth uh, of recruiting for the last four or five seasons or so just really, really showed up on Saturday, especially with Missouri really banged up, especially some of their top players. Obviously, Jarvis Ware missed the ball game. That was a big factor. Missouri had a lot of trouble covering on the outside, including, boy, that Pickens kid, George Pickens, right? He was absolutely unbelievable in that football game. Again, the coverage... Definitely left something to be desired in that game, but there were times where Pickens was just absolutely making spectacular athletic plays that there's really not much you can do about, quite frankly. Again, that just comes back to talent. Plus, then you had Tiger safety. Tyree Gillespie was knocked out of the game in the second half. He was he took a couple huge shots on the quarterback, JT Daniels, in the first half and has really been a, a, a nice player all season for Mizzou, quite possibly quite possibly an NFL draft pick, in my humble opinion, based on how he's played this year. And also, clearly, Connor Basilak was banged up. Frankly, I, I'm surprised that he didn't leave the game for a longer period of time after that big hit 
seemed like he was concussed. He was down the ground for a long time. But, you know, again, this isn't me criticizing the training staff or anything like that. I'm not questioning Missouri's evaluation there. I'm just saying that was an enormous hit. And plus, he was clearly holding his right hand and wrist after the play, too. And Drinkwitz admitted that Basilak was banged up after the game. And obviously, Drinkwitz acknowledged that injury. And I heard quite a few people acknowledging Basilak's condition there. But what I didn't hear as much as was about Nick Bolton, quite honestly. And I certainly don't want to make excuses for Connor Basilak or Nick Bolton or anybody. But to me... Nick just hasn't looked the same since he turned his ankle, whatever that lower leg injury was against Arkansas about halfway through that ball game. To me, he just looked a step slow on Saturday on several different occasions, and that's just not something we've said about Nick Bolton this year. So to me, on top of all the defensive line issues, the offensive line issues, just the overall depth of Georgia at every position rearing its ugly head on Faroe Field from the Tigers' perspective. You know, just for their absolute, some of their best players to be banged up there, it it just was too much. It really was. And especially when you consider the past four years, Georgia has had the number one overall recruiting class in the entire country for three of the last four seasons. And then the one year they didn't have number one overall, well, they were were only fourth in the whole country. And what that has resulted as, let's just look at the offensive and defensive lines because Coach Drinkwitz said the trenches. Without any hesitation, when he was asked what was the difference in this football game, he said the trenches. Well, again, these last four years, sort of one one class of one one four-year cycle of recruiting, if you will. Well, again, just in the trenches alone, Missouri has had one guy who is a four-star or better commitment as an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, and that was Daniel Parker Jr., who in fact now plays tight end. But Georgia, on the other hand, for this past four years, they have 28 four- or five-star commitments along the offensive and defensive lines. 28 to 1. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, at the absolute elite levels of college football, there's still just a massive gap between the haves, the ones who really have a lot, the absolute utter A-tier, top-tier blue bloods, And frankly, just teams who have good programs like Missouri and South Carolina and Tennessee and Kentucky. There's just a huge difference there. But the good news is, despite the fact that Missouri was dominated on Saturday, well, we had some dominant moments against some of those teams that I just mentioned. And that's the first step. And the good news is, is Missouri is now recruiting at a level for the past year, year and a half, under Drinkwitz here that they haven't seen in a long, long time, possibly even ever. But it just goes to show you, it's going to take time to lessen that gap. And frankly, Missouri's never going to close that gap. But can they lessen it? Can they make it smaller? Yeah, I think they can with Drinkwitz in the fold. But while unfortunately Missouri only went 1-1 one and one on the day, could have been better, could have certainly been worse. It seemed like the fans really enjoyed the doubleheader aspect of this thing. And certainly in the future, that would be even more fun 
if there were actually fans there. Let's talk more about possibly future doubleheaders. But first, our title sponsor, Build Bar, would like me to remind you that the new and improved Build Bar is even more delicious than before with six new flavors on top of the original dozen. I mean, come on. Just get get a variety pack. Find out which one of these soft and easy-to-chew bars is the best for you because no matter what flavor suits your fancy, these bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for that keto diet. For instance, let me give you a flavor profile. The peanut butter variety, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 net carbs. That's tough to beat in bar form. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's one word. Locked On is your promo code for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Hey, all you NBA fans, listen up. The Locked On NBA podcast is getting you ready for the start of the regular season with a special week of team preview podcasts all this week, plus waiver wire editions from Locked On, fantasy basketball, and rookies to watch from draft guru Chad Ford. I'll be tuning in to preview the Memphis Grizzlies, quite honestly. I want to hear how my old buddy, Jonte Porter, is doing. He may not realize that we're friends, but we are. Gosh darn it. So subscribe to Locked On the NBA wherever you get your podcasts. And I have to say, I, I realize that logistically it may be somewhat difficult because of the changing weekly nature almost of the of time changes, considering when football in particular starts. They they want to they want to keep those options open for up to to two weeks out. So actually, the logistics of doing a day-night doubleheader may in some ways be a little bit difficult. But having said all that, let's pretend that we can work this out because, well, you would think that in reality it could be worked out. I think a day game, night game situation, whether it's football first or basketball first, I think is a great opportunity, especially for the basketball team, to just get more fans into the arena. Because let's face it, a lot of the problem with basketball attendance, well, number one, it's the product, right? It's always going to be the product. But on top of that, of course, game starting at 6 o'clock, 8 o'clock on a Wednesday, Thursday night. Well, if you're, if you're a Kansas City person, a St. Louis person, even if you're from Fulton or something, which is obviously isn't nearly as far away, that's still a pretty good haul into Columbia on a school night. You may not get out until 10 o'clock. Now you might, you come home to Fulton, you may not get home till 11 p.m. or later, something like that. That's just my example. But obviously on a Saturday night, you're planning to go to a football Saturday anyway, maybe you get in a little early and hit the basketball game. Or maybe you hit the basketball game after the football game a couple hours later, after you grab some dinner downtown or something. Just make a whole day of it. Yeah, that sounds like a lot every single day, but guess what? There isn't a lot of crossover between the college football and college basketball seasons. Just for a little bit of mid and late November, that's basically it most years, right? It's not Most years aren't bleeding this deep into, into December in college football. We all know 2020 is a little bit weird. But to me, going forward, it's not as though you'd even have to have an insanely great opponent 
to again draw you've got 60,000 some odd Missouri fans are in town for a football game well surely maybe one out of every five who might not usually attend as many basketball games might get in there especially if the tickets aren't ridiculously expensive and most importantly if you have a quality opponent it doesn't have to be Kansas it doesn't have to be Illinois it doesn't have to be that great of an opponent Frankly, if you just get Utah in here, who's owed us a game for about three or four seasons now, just a decent Power 5 quality opponent. I'm sorry, Power 5, that's a football term. High major opponent. Give me somebody from the Big East. Give me, give me Providence. That'll be fine, too. I'm just saying, get, make it a decent opponent. I think you'll really get a bonus. Get some excited fans in there and just have a fun, fun day for Missouri. I just think the doubleheader idea, once a season, makes a lot of sense. And by the way, I should, just a little bit more on that final. Before we get out of here, just one final thought on the Bragg and Rights game. That final shot by A.O. Desunmu. I'll be honest, it was 81-78, there was nine seconds left, and I really felt that Missouri should have fouled Desunmu. That was what I was thinking anyway. I felt like... A foul, once he got the ball past half court, was probably the move there. And, well, Dasunmu apparently thought the same thing because he put up a wild... I, I don't even know how to describe that shot. It was a heave. It was a prayer. It was It was not even close, is what it was. He was clearly anticipating the foul, and he actually said that he thought he heard somebody on the Missouri bench call for the foul. And actually, that made me think, wow, if, that's, if somebody did that, if the Tigers actually deked AO there they weren't going to foul but somebody yelled foul anyway kind of a, a fake a fake signal if you will well that's kind of that's pretty good thinking there that's pretty good gamesmanship some might call it cheap I call it gamesmanship if that really happened I like it so with all that being said I'm going to get out of here on this Monday morning and finally unpack because Sometimes I procrastinate on that a little bit. When you guys get back from vacation, do you do that on occasion? Just let your let your suitcase sit in there for three or in your room for three or four days. Well, you know what? Let's grow up and not try to do that today, Mister Miller. So, with all that being said, thanks for joining me once again right here on Locked On Mizzou.